hey, it's good to be with you again. Uh, this is Jeff Tyra Logan's behind the camera, uh, getting things ready for uh, you, you being able to see this today. Uh, I've got to start with an apology. Uh, last Sunday was the 23rd of August, and it is the anniversary of our church, starting in 1998, August the 23rd. I absolutely, completely forgot it. Now, I felt better because uh, Andrew, my son, uh, pastors a church that we planted in Lexington, and three years ago, they merged with another church, Commonwealth City Church, the one he pastors merged with Thoroughbred, and it was on the same date, which is our anniversary, and he forgot it too. Um, it's easy to do right now, isn't it, to just forget because our focus is so elsewhere. And uh, listen, I want to say this. I just want to handle this in a bit of housekeeping to those of you who are part of Hope Church or you're part of another church. And uh, you're probably going, man, we need this, we need this, we need this from our church. I, I just want to tell you something. Um, we have gone to three services on Sunday with childcare in each service. We're doing this on Thursday. Wednesdays and, Wednesdays and Thursdays have become sermon finalization and then taping on Thursdays. My counseling through the week has been shifted to Monday and Tuesday only. Uh, folks, what we're doing now, it's just about all we can do. I just have to really be honest with you. And me forgetting the anniversary is absolute proof of that. So I want to say one week late... Happy anniversary to Hope Church, to all of you who made this happen. It is something God gave me. We've put it in order. It's no longer personal. It's ours. It's yours. And uh, we're looking to see how we journey together through this pandemic. And pray for us. When I say pray for navigation, a lot of people want everything back. Like Sundays to be like they used to be. Wednesdays to be like they used to be activities for all ages to be like they used to be. And I just got to confess and tell you, uh, doing this Wednesday and Thursday and then getting ready for three services on Sunday takes about everything our staff can do at this moment in time. But we're looking to see how we can best disciple you <clears throat> during this pandemic. So let me get on with the sermon. Exodus 14, 30, 31 is where we are. And I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to pray. And it says, That day the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed in him and his servant Moses. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a uh, be so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. If you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it, trusting you with that. And then, Lord, out of everybody watching, uh, I'm the one under a great judgment, a strict judgment, because I'm a teacher of your word, and I accept my place, as the scripture says, in rightly dividing it. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. Go back to principle number eight, which was last Sunday, the anniversary that I forgot about. It says, trust God to deliver in his own unique way. Um, then we move on to principle number nine. View your current crisis as a faith builder uh, for, for the future. We left you last time at um, verse 22, and here we're taking things up at verse 30. 
So we have verses 23 through 39 that are in between. And this is where they cross the Red Sea. I just want to bring you out a few little details and catch you up so that we can get with the verses of that are our text for the sermon today. The sea is walled. It's the wind. The east wind has driven the, the sea back. It's walled. If you remember the term that is used there, indicates that it is as big as a city wall, so we're not talking about shallow water. They're walking across on dry ground. Here they go. The Egyptians, they are right behind them. They are coming in right behind them. And remember, we could think that Israel's trapped, but the truth of it is the Egyptians are going to be trapped. So they pursued them in the sea. They were going after them. There are four things that uh, a lot of the writers said that happened uh, that were bad for the Egyptians. Number one, uh, they followed them into the trap. They followed them into the sea. Number two, the Lord caused their panic, which we'll talk about in just a moment. And three, they had trouble with their equipment that was brought on by the Lord. We'll detail that. And then fourth, they got to a point that they were defeated in their minds and they wanted to go back. So the Lord is the pillar of fire and cloud that is mentioned in these verses, 23 through 29. And he confused them. He brought panic upon them. Um, he, he even got their equipment to where it was clogging and wobbling, that, uh, the, that it was the wheels on the chariots, uh, they, uh, which in my mind, that they're not going around and around like they need to. Uh, the wheels are, 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 are being affected. They're, they drove heavily is what it sounded like. They, like uh, the horses were, if you've ever seen a horse pool, and I certainly grew up around those things, but they just, those horses have the picture of digging down and leaning forward and those front muscles and are pulling. It just becomes very difficult for them. So the Lord is affecting, uh, he's encouraging the uh, Egyptians to follow in, but he's also affecting them catching the Israelites uh, that are going across on dry land. The Egyptians, if you will remember, they are a great army, but they begin to recognize that the Lord is fighting for Israel. And they cry out. This is their defeatism. They, they're crying out, let's, let's get out. Let's get away because the Lord is doing this. So um, the Lord asked Moses to stretch out his hand again. And you're going, man, this is, this is going to happen with natural. You, you know, you can explain this away with natural uh, laws or natural occurrences, but I want to I want to remind you something. Um, it it is happening on cue. the The waters are parting with the raised hand of Moses. God told him to do it, and then the waters are returning with the outstretched hand of Moses. And this is the testimony of the people that when Moses raised his hand to begin, it parted and divided. When they got through, he raised his hand again. And I, I know we can get into science and, and natural order and law, and I, I hear you, I know, but I'm, I wanna tell you, the outstretched hand of Moses shows me from personal testimony of, of what's happening that the timing of it had to do with the Lord's command, Moses, raise your hand. Um, so Israel walked through I wrote in my notes. I don't know uh, how old you all are, but uh, I said, uh, this is so neat. They should have made a movie about it. I'll let it go with that, okay? Uh, in Ephesians 14, 30 and 31, it says uh, the, that the Lord saved Israel 
from the power of the Egyptians. The Egyptians, the waters closed on them after the Israelites got through. It drowned them all. Uh, they found them dead, washed up on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord had used against Egypt, uh, the people feared the Lord in a good way, and they believed in him and in his servant Moses. You know, in our book, I, I don't know, I, I, I use the book kind of as a guide, and we certainly, in preaching, um, put in what we think is necessary, so it's not a verbatim from the book. But uh, he does mention that um, principle number nine out of these two verses, view your current crisis, and we all know what that is for us right now, and it's, it's sub-pointed from the pandemic. It could be joblessness, we're, we're tired of being quarantined, we're tired of all the restrictions, a lot of things. View your current crisis as a faith builder for the future. Our writer said this, we have troubles, we have trials, we have suffering in this world, but God uses them to complete us, to mature us and to deepen our faith. Uh, James 1, 2 through 4 is where I'm going to take you today. This wasn't in the book, but James is writing about trials and maturity, which is where we are right now. Everything that, he, that uh, Israel went through with being slaves in Egypt, the 10 plagues, being taken out, and even crossing the Red Sea. James wrote, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but endurance, endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Uh, it sounds like in this verse that we're not to ask any questions, and we can ask questions about it. The Lord does allow suffering to occur, permissive will. Uh, he allows it to occur. He allows us to go through trials and tests. Um, it, it doesn't say you can't have other emotions too, but I've preached on this recently. Out of all the emotions, choose joy. We could, we could choose a bunch, but choose joy. And in this passage, we have to come to an understanding that God will see us through, and the fact that he's done it before can bring joy is a reason you can choose joy. God-induced joy. But uh, something beneficial is going to happen here, and the process is that going through a trial or a temptation and the testing, it, your faith produces endurance, perseverance, steadfastness, whatever your translation has. And endurance must do its complete work so that we are mature and complete in the Lord, knowing who he is and, and what he does. Um, so there is the testing of our faith. Uh, we, we have the testing of our faith, and the testing of our faith is the fact that uh, the word here is pisteo, faith, and it is we're all in. Even though I'm going through a difficult time, a trial, a temptation, a suffering, a struggle, I'm still all in. I'm still all in with my confidence being in the, in the, in the Lord. And the word trial that is used here in verse 2 uh, talks about inward temptation and then outward stuff that happens to us from the world. So it, it really is a both and, uh, the temptation of sin inwardly and then also the fact of trials that come into us from the world. So uh, it's a testing of my faith. 
you know, uh, when, when tough times come, where is the first place that I look? Do I look to the world? Uh, do I look to myself? Do I look to the counsel of other people? Or do I look to him? Remember what we say here, God is a first responder, not a last resort. We look to him first. I'm looking for the kingdom response from being in his presence with the Father or being in his word. What, what is the kingdom response for me to do? And we know that our faith, all in faith, our all in faith is going to work on behalf of us. It produces endurance and then uh, steadfastness and perseverance and all that is involved in that. Uh, that word means that we are remaining under. In other words, I, I'm, I'm able to sustain this because of how God is holding me up. I'm be, I am being complete and strong. And there's a lot of verses in Scripture that talk to me and you about finishing strong. I don't want to finish weak. I, I want to finish my race, and I want to finish my race strong. I don't want any trial or struggle or suffering or test to uh, weaken that in any way. And in fact, James says it doesn't weaken it. It, it, builds, it builds our faith. The uh, author of this book says something I think is really interesting, I think you'll enjoy. He says it in a contemporary way. Robert J. Morgan, he says, trials and troubles are dumbbells and treadmills for the soul. I like that. They develop strength and they develop stamina. Warren Wiersbe, uh, a very conservative theologian, uh, maybe dated to some people. I really like Warren Wiersbe, he's really simple. He said, a, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. And that becomes very, very true. Look at Hebrews eleven six with me. Uh, a life verse for me. Now, without faith, this all-in faith, it is impossible to please God. I'm all in. I'm not all in because times are good. I'm all in because of what he has already done for me. I'm all in. Uh, what does that mean? My confidence is in him. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists. There is no one like him, and he rewards those who diligently seek him. I, I think there are times that we are tested to see if we're all in. Are you going to look at the circumstance or look at him becomes the situation. And I believe that uh, faith in the Lord is the fact that he keeps his promise and he makes his way. Let me, let me tell you how I can simply do this, which is part of my intro prayer. Uh, I know he made the way of salvation for me, and I know he did it through Jesus. I know he did it through the person of Jesus, through the cross, and then even a way through a picture and an example of the resurrection for all of eternity. I know that. If I'm going to trust him for the provision of that way, why would I not trust him for the provision of other ways. Now, not other ways of salvation. There's only one way of salvation, and that's through Jesus. But why would I not trust him to make a way through this pandemic or joblessness or whatever? Remember, the Father is always at work. So he made a way for my salvation, and he's going to continue to make a way through tests, trials, temptations, suffering, and struggles 
Why? Because his promises are true. Is it fair or unfair that God uses life situations for us to build confidence in his promise? I think it's fair. I think it's absolutely fair. He reveals himself, he reveals his character, and he reveals his care for us. Faith simply is that I have confidence in my God that he is going to lead me through. And remember, we've taught you before, a great spiritual discipline in your life is to just stop what you're doing and not look forward and wonder what he's going to do, but stop what you're doing and look back and be reminded of what he has led you through. That is a great spiritual discipline. God tells us in his word, don't, don't forget, don't forsake what I have done for you. So remember, one day we will be on the other side of the Red Sea. In the meantime, you trust him to be able to make a way. View your current crisis as a faith builder for the future. I, uh, at home, uh, in preparation for the sermon, uh, I am 60, so I did grow up in a season of the hymns, and I'm not saying that the hymns are gone by any means, but I did grow up in a season of the hymns in the church. And uh, while I was preparing the sermon, I, I started singing. I started singing, and uh, I, I was by myself, so it was a joyful noise, and it didn't affect anybody else. But I, I started singing a chorus from a hymn that I grew up with as a child. And uh, I, uh, before I, I, I give you the words, because I think the words of this hymn sum up everything that I've tried to say in the sermon today, and hopefully uh, it, will, it will bless you and touch you. But the story, the story is told about a wife whose name was Louisa, last name was Steed, and her daughter Lily and their, her husband, Lily's dad, were going on a picnic, and the picnic was on uh, Long Island Sound. So it was a beautiful day. They were picnicking together. They're near the water, and they hear the cry of a boy who's drowning. And so the dad hears the cry, leaves the picnic, reacts to the scream, and goes and tries to save this boy. While he's trying to save this boy, both of them drown. So they are both deceased. Um, the loss of a husband, and Lily, the loss of a dad, uh, put them in financial uh, times. They were destitute. Uh, the, she was learning to lean and trust on the Lord, and he did, he did walk them through every bit of that. And uh, she penned this hymn, out of learning to trust the Lord through one of the toughest times of her life. Uh, in fact, later on, Louisa and her daughter Lily um, reacted to a missionary call to South Africa, and they went there and became missionaries. Uh, the name of the song that um, she penned is uh, a song that you and I know, and it's about, um, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." I want you to listen to this. Yes, there is something within me that wants to sing it, but there is a greater love for you all that I don't, okay? Uh, and so maybe you'll sing it, but I want you to listen to it because it wraps it all up for me. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. 
just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Do you see that? That's, that's the line. How I've proved him o'er and o'er. And it, in the testing of my faith just gives me greater confidence in who he is. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust him, precious Jesus, Savior and friend. And I know that he is with me and will be with me to the end. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood and in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing flood. Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus just from sin and self to cease, just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Remember, when a test and a trial, suffering and struggles come, is he's not punishing you on that. He may be testing you to see if your faith is all in. And I pray that today God finds you with your faith absolutely all in. It's going to produce endurance, and then it's going to make me and you complete and mature in the Lord. I want to finish strong. I don't want to finish weak. The last day I have on earth, I want it to be one of my strongest days of faith in the Lord because I have confidence in who he is. I have proved him o'er and o'er. I better hush or I'm going to sing it yet. You know what? I'm going to sing it yet. We were singing it before we started. Sorry that you missed that. Uh, remember what we say here. We're going to go to principle number nine. View your current crisis as a faith builder for the future and remember to you, we love you. I hope you accept my apology for forgetting the anniversary, but my focus just wasn't there. I love our church, but it was on other things. And remember what we say, grace and peace to you. God bless you.